I uh, sometimes, you know, God gives you a message, and in, in this case, that kind of just gave me the passage and, and the title, and so don't judge me on the title here uh, until it's called uh, until uh, maybe I get along a little further. But the Savior, the, it's the Savior of the swine, and so it's, uh, uh, the Savior of the swine. I. Uh, of course, I've told you all that when I was growing up, we, I worked with swine with some pigs. I'm not proud of it. I haven't done it since. I'm not a farmer, and uh, uh, I, uh, I'm a city boy, have been since I, since I left at age 18. But, you know, sometimes when you grow up in something, it's, it's still a part of you a little bit. And what is it? You can take the boy out of the country. can't take the country out of the boy or something. But I, there's a lot in this passage I want to read. I want to read all the way to verse 39 and... You know, I just believe the Word of God is important, amen, and I, I sometimes get thinking what we say is not that important, especially not in comparison to the Word of God. So I want to take just a moment to read, read His Word here and kind of set a little backdrop to the story I'm going to talk about. So Luke chapter 8, verse 22, Luke chapter 8, verse 22, now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over into the other side of the lake, and they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with, with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obeyed him. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the certain city, out of the city, a certain man which had devils long time. And were and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because... Many devils were entered into him, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep, and there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city in the country, and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to, to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils was departed besought him that he might be with him. 
But Jesus sent him away saying, return to that own house and show how great things God had done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. So interesting here, this is kind of a background of this story. I kind of really am not talking about the, the storm, but I wanted to set a background. So here, here is a, a great miracle. The disciples had never seen anything like it. They, they've watched him heal, but to be able to speak to the elements and say, peace. Something astounding to them, something that... And I know we, we, perhaps many of us hear this story over and over again, and maybe it, it doesn't register much to us, and maybe you've never been out on a boat. I've been out on a boat when a storm is coming, and it's kind of fearful. The black clouds, the wind blowing, and the rain are coming down. And, and so, so here they come out of this incredible miracle. God stands up and he rebukes this storm and the wind, and it becomes peaceful and calm. And they say, what matter of man is this? So I don't know how big a step it was somehow in their mind to go from healing the sick to speaking to the elements. But that's what took place here. This incredible miracle. And then after this incredible move of God, their boat lands upon the shore and the devil meets them. The devil meets them. Now, no, no, this isn't the path. It isn't the message. But isn't it interesting that after great victories in our life or maybe a great move of God, who's the first person that meets you? devil and you know so I, to me we should be prepared for that for some reason i never am you know something great have my like, god just moved and then the next day all hell comes against me so perhaps it would help if we were prepared for that a little more made the disciples obviously wasn't but jesus was and so here this demon possessed man he was from a city you know she studied eight miles away possibly and uh it says that he was exceeding fierce uh, in another passage, so that no man might pass that way. I think that all, th- all three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or at least the first three gospels, they all they all give this story, this account, and um, he. Uh, uh, it says he was so fierce that no man could pass that way. I don't know. Maybe he was a. Uh, I don't think you can imagine someone so crazy that he could. No one could go by that way because he just just tear him apart. Think about the powers of, of hell that was in this man. And uh, he couldn't be bound with change. It says in, uh, in Mark, in the ES, ESV version here, when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains. This man was a, a maniac, but he had supernatural strength. And maybe that's not that important in the story, but I think it is whenever no one could bind him. How many had tried? We're not sure. You know, I, 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 when I was a kid, I used to love watching Kung Fu David Carradine, you know, and he could defeat 10 guys at one time, you know, and uh, I always wanted to be Mr. Kung Fu, except... Uh, it never happened. It never happened. I, I was telling someone, that, so I've only lost one fight in my life, and that's because I slipped running around a corner. But I'm too tender-hearted. I don't want to hit anybody. So, but uh, but this, 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 this man was a monster strength. So here is no one can tame him. So the story reads that Jesus cast out the devil. And, and uh, so here, here it is. No, but Jesus, all he did was just simply speak the word. And that was it. 
all this man's power left. All these demons were cast out of him. And uh, it's interesting to me as I read this that they had to get permission to enter pigs. Now, there was a movement about pigs in the parlor, a book, and all that about demons being cast out of Christians. But I think it's interesting to read this story is that even for the demons to go into pigs, they had to get permission. <laughs> so I, obviously then that, to me, says that Christians are not going to be demon-possessed. But as nasty as these pigs were, even, even I just, to me, it's, a, it, it's just a... And maybe y'all don't deal with that, but... Yeah, spirits do oppress us, but they don't possess us. Amen? They don't possess us. So I want to look at just two responses here and found in this passage of Scripture. The first response is the, the this response of the swine owners. Uh, swine just sounds a little more worse than pigs, doesn't it? Uh, if you say ham, you know, I don't know. Bacon, that sounds good. But I, I don't know. If you've ever dealt with pigs, they're just a nasty animal. They're just terrible. And, uh, uh, and so, and that's probably why they're, they're just unclean. So are chickens, by the way, but... But, but anyhow, the three things, they fed, so then they fled, and they told. Not really not, that's really not the, the, the sermon title, but just notice that in the passage here. So the, swine, the swines represented what? Represented income. And so when you read this, it was their livelihood. It was a pig town, a pig country, <laughs> if you could say you know, I, I grew up in a farming community, and so this was a farming community. They farmed swine. So, you know, maybe in some, you know, each city sometimes has its own identification, you know. In southern Louisiana, there's a, a lot of offshore, you know, that, that affects. And today, really, it seems like we've moved into hospitals, and it's been more of uh, our focus. But anyhow, so it's about work. So really this passage and these, these pig owners and their response was about their income. I don't know if you ever really saw it in this passage that way before. And I, I struggle with this message a little bit because I didn't really want to preach it. <laughs> but uh, I was like, Lord, you sure this is when you want me to minister this word? But, but I believe it is. So, um, so there's, a, there's a movie called The Ultimate Gift. And in that movie, one of the gifts is the gift of work. And so work is a gift of God. The Bible says that he told Adam to name all the animals, and so he worked. Work is a gift given to us. But we know after the fall, the Bible says you earn that, you do that gift by the sweat of your brow, right? But the problem is, is that anytime something comes before us and the Savior, then it becomes a problem, doesn't it? And I'm speaking from experience here in my own life. I'm not the example of perfection in this by any means, just the opposite. But how many people are going to be burning in hell for all eternity because of their job, because of their career, because of their work? Interesting today. Here is success in today's world. Here's a man. He's a, he's a, head, he's a CEO of his company. He's an alcoholic. He's, he's failed in four marriages. His children hate him. He's anti-God. And yet he is a success in our world today. And so, unfortunately, many times the models that 
we think, even as parents encouraging our children, that the most important thing is the career in your life. Come on. Is teaching them to become a CEO. Well, you may say, I have to work, and it is true. We all have to work. But do you have to work so much, maybe you say? Or maybe you have to work so long, I don't know. But maybe there's seasons in your life and there is seasons. But I think of the passage, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And like I said, by no means am I judging because I've, I've failed obviously in this and been in many situations in my life. And I, uh, when, I, when I first got married, I, I worked a full-time job and, and was an associate pastor took my first church, I worked another full-time job and was a pastor. And so, and it wasn't until my third pastor, really, that I finally was full-time pastor to step out in faith. And, you know, that takes, that takes faith, doesn't it, to step out. I know as a young man, he, he had just gotten saved. He went to Bible college and he just quit his job at a one, and just went out and become a missionary. And, uh, and God met him all the way and provided for him. So it says that they, they, they fled, and I kind of put down here, are we running to Christ, or do we run to entertainment, or to our job, or to our family, or to our friends? And maybe I can say in my own life, Lord, I, I, I don't do that. But, you know, I begin to think about people have a lot to say today. When you talk to people on the streets, when you talk to Christians, they have the talk, I love Jesus, sold out to God. But does their life really show it? And I have to ask myself, does my life really show that I'm really sold out to God? That he's really everything in my life? And this little thought came to me. They're usually little thoughts, but we are the sum of what we believe. And what we believe is expressed in what we do, what we say, how we respond, and how we think. So we are the sum of what we believe, but what we believe will be expressed in what we do and what we say and how we respond and how we think. Amen. So they told here they didn't know him. They didn't know this Jesus. They hadn't been with him. They hadn't talked with him. But they went out and they began to publish all about him. I thought that was an interesting thought as I was reading that, that they really didn't know who he was, but they, they talked about him. I met some really religious people, and they can talk about God. And I met a lot of, you know, if you, if you just ask the average person if they, if they know the Lord, they all seem to say they know the Lord, at least in, here, here in our country and here in the South. But do they really know him? And these, these wine owners did not know him. In verse 37, it says that, uh, let's look down here in verse 37, it says that, then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. And uh, so they said, we don't want you here. They chose the swine over the Savior. If you look at why here, it says that they were what? They were afraid because of fear. How many choices do we make today because of fear? Fear should never drive our choices. Fear should never cause us to do anything in this life except good. Now, God, fear is an emotion. God gives us fear for a reason, you know. 
A fear saves your life. A fear can protect your life. Obviously, if, you, if, you, if everyone ran around, no one was fearful of anything, then, then everyone would drive 190 miles an hour on the track. They pretty much do, but on the road, you know. No, no one would be scared. They'd carry they'd just whatever. They'd have no fear. It's kind of like the story of the, the guy needing a, he's needing a truck driver, and they had to drive this road. and had to get his, you know, it's a big drop off on each side. And so he interviewed the first guy. How close can you drive to the edge and still be safe? The guy said, I can drive within 12 inches. That's okay. Next interview. How close can you drive to the edge, sir, to still be safe? He goes, I can drive within six inches. Third guy said, uh, how close can you drive to the outside edge and still be safe? He goes, I'm going to drive as close to that center line as I possibly can, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, you know, but, but when fear overrides our faith and our trust, then it becomes a problem. Listen, I've did so many things out of fear in my life, and it never turns out well. Here, these swine owners, they chose fear and rejected the Savior. And yet, it was the worst thing that could have ever happened to them as they made the wrong choice. And the Savior of the swine. And here's the whole country choosing the swine. You know... For us in America, we don't give up much when we choose the Savior. Um, really, we still keep our jobs, keep our lives. Everything really kind of continues on. But there's the Muslims, when they choose Christ, it costs them something, doesn't it? They lose everything. They, they, they have to give up even maybe their very lives at time when they choose Christ. For them, to, ch- to choose the Savior is a big decision. But it, we as Americans, if we have to choose to give up anything at all for Christ, it's such a big sacrifice for us. Now, listen, I'm not judging. I'm talking about myself here, too. <laughs> Believe me. Um, Matthew 19, 29. What did Jesus promise when we forsake all? Then Peter, then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, it's interesting, Peter wanted to know what he's going to get. But anyhow, verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You all know the passage, for every one that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first Shall be last, and the last shall be first. I like every part of it until you read the last part, huh? The first and the last. Verse, verse 35 says, they were afraid. They were afraid. And, and I think of our own lives, and so many scriptures about consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil, and they don't spin. You know, toil, I, I kind of pictures I thought of this. Toil, you know, really kind of covering back in that time, both the men and the women, the the, uh, the, the men toiled and the women spun. They made clothing and the men worked in the uh, farming. And so they don't toil and they don't spin. And yet, yet God's clothed them more beautiful than Solomon in all of his glory. And, and lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure be, but it says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And I really, 
used to do a lot of funerals. And when you're doing a funeral, for some reason, all the treasures, they just don't mean much anymore, do they? And as I do those funerals, I begin to think people get up and talk about their life. And they talk about all their job and all these things they did in this life. And I, I thought to myself, what have, what have they really laid up in heaven in this life? What's neat about God is it's never too late, is it? It's never too late. The Bible says that the man went out to hire in the morning, in the afternoon, and then late in the evening. And what was the reward? They all received the, 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 the pence, the dollar, or whatever it was back then. And so it's never too late for us to begin to lay up treasures in heaven in our life. So, but, but riches is of God. Who knows that? Riches is of God. So many scriptures talk about that God has... Uh, provides riches. Proverbs eight twenty it says, "I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures." So, there's a scripture that talks about men who trust in riches, and really that's what took place. They were trusting in their livelihood, trusting in riches. What, what, what is this message about? Well, listen, we in America are rich. We are rich. We say, "Oh, I'm not rich." Yes, you are rich. And I really believe that's a great downfall for us is to trust in our riches, not to trust in Jesus Christ, not to trust in the Savior. Really, the whole, when I was preparing this, it wasn't really talking too much about the swine and about trusting in our riches. It was really about the Savior. And I want to look here, said the response of the delivered. So here he is in verse 35. Oh, let's see. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, it says, and he came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what was it? He was clothed and in his right mind. And it says, and, and they were afraid. So here they see this man. Here he's a, a crazy maniac. No one combined. And he breaks the chains. And he's clothed now in his right mind, clothed with grace, clothed with the praise of God. And you would think that that would make them choose the Savior, wouldn't you? When they see the difference of what happened here, but instead it didn't. So, so uh, he says, talking about righteous words, Apostle Paul says, uh, I count all that as dung for the one of, for, for Jesus. Amen? All that stuff's really not going to matter. I believe this man, he probably got up and began to sing, sing Psalm 63, where it says that. Oh, God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, I will praise thee. I can, can't you just imagine, hear this man gone from the demons of hell controlling him. Now he's totally set free. So what is different about this man? He was from the cities, from the same family. He may have been even a pig owner at one time. I don't know. It wasn't rehab that changed him, but he was a new man. Amen. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He had confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that demons believe and shudder. Obviously, they believe that the demons begin to say, this is the Son of God. And so people say, well, I believe in God. The demons believe in God. What is the difference here? Many people believe in God and can still be on their way to hell. He said, what? Yes, they can believe in God and still be on their way to hell. How can that be? The, de the demons believe and they're not born again, are they? 
But I believe it's talking about being born again where all things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. There's fruit in our life. It's been said that one of the most obvious signs of someone walking in the flesh is, is that they're easily angered and they're, they're sin and they're anger. And, um, but they that are born again, there's a change in our life, many things that change in our life. And it's not something we do. It's the grace of God that works in us and that changes us because we have chosen the Savior. Our faith is in the Savior. And I, I guess what's standing out in my heart is that... that it's not about work, or it's not about things in our life. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I've been around in this thing a little while. I was saved when I was seven and filled with the Holy Spirit when I was nine years old. And a little uh, Assemblies of God church in Mansfield, Missouri. And through the years, you see a lot of, I call it a lot of things that come down the pike, you know, that... You know, whether it's a fad or whatever it might be. And, you know, and what's awesome about this place in life is I know it's not about a faith message. And it's not about a, the resurrection message. Or it's, it's not about the cross message. It's not about a healing message. And it's a, it's a, it's not a, some people say it's a new thing. Or it's a new fad. Or it's a secrets of only the prophets that have been revealed. And there's so much stuff as you begin to watch it. Or a purpose-driven church. Yeah, I read that one and did it for a while. It didn't work either. It's not about a cell group or about a laughing spirit or about falling down. And I remember years ago, we went to a, a, a man who would breathe and people would fall. Or it's not about lifting up somebody. You know, through the years, people begin to exalt somebody. It's not about a Hebraic movement or a, the, the, the feast or blowing of the shofar. And you say, well, where were you going with this? It's not about apostolic authority and Jesus' name only, or accountability, or a power team, or a word of faith, or a name it or claim it, or about, I don't believe in doctors, or I, you know, self-sustaining farms, or bunkers. I know a doctor that built this massive bunker. I mean, it's massive bunker. He believes we're going to get hit with a with an atomic bomb, you know. And, um, you know, it's not about doing all these things, not even about all about prayer, about joining a church, about taking communion or about a thousand ceremonies. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. It's about him. It's about who he is, about what he's done, about how he came, about how he taught, how he's coming again. It's about the person, Jesus Christ. I don't know why it's taken me so long to get that revelation, but I finally got it. It's not about all these things. It's about him. It's about him. It's about him in our lives. He has to be our everything. He has to be our everything. He's the pearl of great price. He's the treasure. We, we say, God, it, it's you. It's everything in my life. And you say, yeah, he is everything in my life. Is he? What, is he? You say he is, but is he? You say, oh, yeah, my job's not it. Oh, yeah. Boss calls you today. You're gone. You're working, huh? Oh, he is everything, but I don't, I don't, I don't darken the door of this house very much because I work too much. Listen, if anything keeps you from Christ, it's not of God. Then God will find you a better job. 
I mean, you got to stand up and say, I, I want a different position. Right? Listen, God will do it in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added unto you. I've seen him do it. I've watched him do it. You know, some people, it's easy for them to give up something if it doesn't cost them much. You know? It's easy to, to give up something small. You know, I, someone said they quit a minimum wage job, you know, to follow Christ. <laughs> you know, it's, maybe that's a little easier to do than to, maybe you're at a place where it's a lot different than that. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Mark 8, you don't have to turn it, I just want to read it. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I don't know what it is. Something about this life, it just numbs our senses to what's real. That we can just come to church and it's just a casual thing and really doesn't mean that much to us the rest of the week. Maybe it's all about Jesus, amen, in our lives. So, well, anyhow, what shall a man give exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. He is so much more, amen. He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He's our provider. He's our ever-present help in time of trouble. He's our comforter. He's our battle fighter. I mean, he's our peace. You know, what is it that he is not in our lives? And I, I guess what's stirred in my heart is that it's about Jesus. Amen? It's about him in our lives. And as long as he's our everything, then the fear cannot control us. Listen, fear has caused me to make some horrible decisions in my life and do some things that I regret to this day. Don't let fear, don't let fear control you. Let faith control you. Let Jesus lead us and guide us into our lives and whatever we face. Listen, we're going to face some fearful things in our life. We've got to say, God, I trust you. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You've never failed me. You've always been with me. I had a lot of stories, but I didn't have a lot of time, so I didn't tell a lot of stories today. <laughs> Maybe it's too serious of a message to tell too much. I don't know, but I was thinking of a when this pastor's church, there's a young couple, they wanted, to, they, they wanted to have a baby. They said, we can't have a baby because we don't know this is the end times and things are going to be so bad. We don't want to raise a child up in this wicked time in which we live. And I kind of understood that, but I just told him, I said, well, the wicked are having children. I said, why not have some children, raise them up in the ways of righteousness? And so as these last days come, there's people then that can, can minister the gospel and be evangelists to this wicked world. And so they took my advice, and, the, and they had two children. Well, so they had the baby, and uh, she come through the door of the church, and she handed the baby to me. <laughs> so, but the point is, is that we cannot let fear 
control our lives with what the future holds. Yeah, maybe it looks so, kind of glim now. I remember back when Kishin, back there in the Kissinger time, people, they, they didn't want to have children back then. I remember talking to these folks. They said they were scared to have children back then because of how bad the future is going to be. Well, listen, God holds the future, amen? He says he's, a, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He doesn't start anything until he finishes it. He's already in the future. He's in the present. You know what? We can trust him. We can trust him. Amen. Does our life show our choices? The savior or the swine? Where are we investing our lives? The things of God, the person of Jesus Christ, or in the things of this world? Amen. Lord, I just thank you today. That, Lord, you remind us over and over again. That, Lord, we, we have to choose you, God. Our faith has to be in you, Lord Jesus. Not in our works, not in ourselves. Over and over again, Lord, you take us back to you to sit at your feet. To be clothed in our right mind, Lord God. To go out and be that evangelist that you told this man to do. To go back into his country who had rejected you, Lord God, and chose the swine over you. To go out and proclaim the truth that you are the Savior, Lord God. That you are worth giving up everything for in our lives. And God, bring us back into focus every day, God, that all that really matters in this life is you, Jesus. All that matters. Everything else is wood, hay, and stubble, and it's going to be burned up. It's going to be destroyed. And Lord, I, I just pray, God, as, as we go today, God, that, Lord Jesus, you would be everything in our lives. Everything in our lives. I want to, if you'd like to come to this altar, I want to open up this altar to you. And maybe you're here today and things are right in your life. Maybe you've been choosing the, the swine, so to speak, choosing those things that don't matter. I want you to, I want to open up these altars for you. Maybe. Maybe you just felt a little apathetic in your life. Maybe you're going through a time in your life and fear is controlling you. Or maybe you, you, you feel the urge to give in to the fear. I just want to open up these altars to you and just take a, we got time, take a few minutes here and let's get on our knees here today and let's, uh, let's commit to him everything in our life.